I am Brother Cornell West, and this is Hip Hop Can Save America. Peace and love, everybody. It's your man, Manny Faces. Just wanted to let you know that Hip Hop Can Save America is now available as a live stream show every Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. You can find it at hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Excerpts from that show will be played here on the audio feed, so you'll still get the good interviews that you've been used to. But check out the live stream and check out my free Substack newsletter at mannyfaces.substack.com. That's filled with all kinds of stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and generally hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. For everything hip-hop can save America, hiphopcansaveamerica.com. For everything Manny Faces, mannyfaces.com. And if you find value in this work, you can support it. We'd love to have you aboard as a supporter at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. Now let's go. The thing about hip-hop uh, today is it's smart. It's insightful. The, the way that they can communicate uh, a complex message in a very short space is, is remarkable. And a lot of these kids, they're not going to be reading the New York Times. That's not how they're getting their information. So hip hop didn't invent anything, but hip hop reinvented everything. Dr. Toby Jenkins, uh, how you doing? Hey there, doing well, doing well. It's a good day. It's, it's, well, you know what? These days I'll take good days. Uh, good days hey, and great days. Hey, it's a good day. Woke up. <laughs> right. I'm here. I, uh, as you know, I've been looking forward to doing this for uh, a while. Thank you for your patience as I retooled uh, the situation here. It's much more uh, beautiful and flowing, which yeah. is, uh, you know, fitting for you uh, to be here now. So I appreciate your patience. But again, thank you for spending some time with me today. Yeah, yeah. Well, always a pleasure to um, to be in space and community. I'm so excited about finally getting on this <laughs> podcast that I absolutely love. So <laughs> it is an honor. I, it's an absolute honor. Well, you know, the honor's mine, but I do appreciate the appreciation. I appreciate you. Uh, so we're here to talk, uh, as I've introduced uh, folks to uh, to you, about uh, you in general, uh, obviously, not just this product that you have, uh, right. but the Hip Hop Mindset, the book that you have out, Success Strategies for Educators and Other Professionals. I told you when I saw you, I guess we were at Howard, perhaps, when I saw you in person, and I said, you just, you wrote the perfect book for folks who are doing like the work we do and this hip hop advocacy as a way to uplift humanity and all these different areas. It's just the perfect encapsulation of of what we know and feel and inherently you know want to express to other people but you did it so well it, no. just for those who are not familiar with the book just the log line what's the basic uh, uh synopsis of of what this book entails to you as right, the author. Right, right. and so the, the so first let me say that when when i first came to approach the project um my focus was not necessarily just educators because right. what we all know is that um, the culture, the community, the mindset that it produces is relevant to everyone. That's, you know, regardless of what field you work in, you don't have to be an educator. You don't have to be doing hip hop education for this to be relevant um, to you. It's a leadership strategy. And really, I, mm -hmm. th that was my goal to create a leadership book. Now, I published it with a, an education publisher and they were like, we need the word education somewhere <laughs> in, in this title. Fair enough. No, yeah, yeah. So I, so I added that is the best part to me is that it's not just for educators. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Right, yeah. right. Because we we move and we use it and we flow in various aspects of our lives. Um, and so you know we work in the realm of education, but even if we were working in business or um in politics or in healthcare or you know whatever PR marketing, you know it, it's still relevant. The concepts are nothing new to um, folks that have been doing this work and really championing hip hop culture and, um, and hip hop education for years. What I wanted to contribute was just laying it down and saying it plain and documenting it as a professional mindset and a leadership practice 
for others, like you said, for others to understand and to know and to recognize that our cultures produce more than the entertainment aspect right. of, um, of of what people kind of associate when, when they think of um, of hip hop. So the book is is really about the ways of being, the mindsets, the ways of thinking, um, moving, showing up in the world that um, hip hop culture inspires and teaches and, and, and produces in those that um, that really embrace and, and uh, become a part of the culture in, in, in some ways. Right. So many people who might not ever i mean they might you know secretly in their house do some rhymes and (laughs) right amongst friends you know and the safety of friends and stuff but they wouldn't necessarily might not necessarily get on a stage and spit and you know just saying doing all all of that even the people that don't situate themselves as artists are still situate themselves as hip-hop they still embrace and embody a spirit um and a mindset of um of hip hop that really influences how they show up and how they move in their professional settings in their educational settings in wherever the spaces that they enter and it propels them to greatness and um and I really wanted to to document these gems success mindsets have been so popular um right. lately and 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 everything and and one of the things that I've always said as an academic I've had a lot of education, a lot of years of education. I sat in a lot of classrooms, a lot of boardrooms, a lot of retreats, a lot of conference centers and stuff like that. But the stuff that I learned that sets me apart and makes my work magic didn't come from those spaces. It came from from my, my culture and my community, including spaces like hip hop, but also spaces like my neighborhood, my family, my, you know what I'm saying, my squad and everything, whatever. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned that, you know, we're an academic. I, I've stumbled my way into academia. I'm not an academic by, you know, by trade or by degree, um, but I attribute everything I now do or know or have learned or have been able to weave my way through life based on this kind of hip hop mindset, this hip hop ethos that we get when we're younger. And we realize that, you know, we want to do some things. And I learned this from obviously communities that have uh, this is part of their DNA where it's like, we can't do the things we want to do. We're held off. We're blocked off. We're going to come in and do it. We're going to come in the side door. If we can't come in the front, we're going to smack it, flip it, rub it down, remix it, you know, remake it. Um, and that's where I learned how to do all of the, you know, creative or uh, ways to get through life when you don't have necessarily all the traditional accolades. And I think that hip hop, you know, is a fuel for that. And again, across all industries, which is a great, it's a point we want to make all the time because of the focus of the entertainment. Everyone, you know, generally speaking, you think it's entertainment. Uh, what always bugs me is that people say, you know, hip hop doesn't have that, you know, that counterculture thing anymore. And I'm like, I'm talking to a hip hop educator in a college that teaches hip hop class. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right, right. that's pretty counterculture. That's pretty getting inside and 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 looking at, to change the uh, the landscape a bit. Right. Um, Tell me about the neighborhood. Let's go back a little bit, then we'll come back forward if you don't mind. I, you know, where where did you grow up? What was your, you know, first early connection to hip hop? How did hip hop shape you in conjunction with obviously the cultural and uh, familial situations that you had growing up? Where did you grow up? How was it like? Right. So here in, in Columbia, South Carolina, where I work at the University of South Carolina, this is my hometown. So me yeah. coming back to USC was me coming home. And I was here until about 20 years old. So I went to college here at USC as an undergrad. Right. And, um, uh, but I grew up here, right? So I wasn't necessarily, um, and I grew up, you know, I'm a, a, a mid-70s baby, whatever, right? So I'm growing up during the kind of crux of like 80s, 90s hip hop and, you know, all that stuff, whatever. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> it, it, was, it was really heavy, New York. And then kind of towards the 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 tail end, like really when we were um, coming out of college and, and everything, the Southern rap started taking form and shape. You know, I, I was in a, a, a Southern space and consuming the the music and the culture and the videos. And I talk about this a little bit in, in, in the book, um, because what, what I sh- share in that is how because of a lack of, you know, my family didn't travel on huge vacations and stuff. Um, I'd never been to New York City. So um, as a little Southern child, I'm learning about New York from Mm. the media, 
Right. And um, and, that, and that's what I was saying in the book. The word on the street was, you know, New, New York was a, a rough place. But really consuming hip hop culture was my kind of cultural geography, social studies kind right. of lessons of helping me to understand what the real reality was for my people in other places, right? That that um, their experience did look, you know, probably was different from my experience here in South Carolina and it feeling very kind of, I don't know, country and, and you know, all of this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, it's smiling. definitely what us New Yorkers thought. Definitely. Right, I mean, right. I mean, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, down here, right. <laughs> but, I'm in Atlanta now, so I did the thing that New Yorkers do and I just moved to Georgia. So, you know, maybe I'm, you know, I can yeah, call it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, a, a town like Columbia, it, you know, it's a big city to us and to people right. in rural areas in South Carolina. Um, sure. But to a New Yorker, Columbia is a very small town. But the music videos, watching, and I, just, I don't know, I was just one of those kids that was just consumed with, Hip hop, mm-hmm. like I, mm-hmm. I, I just loved it. It spoke to me. You know, I was watching every video. I was, you know, subscribing to get buying the, the the magazines. I was writing the lyrics down so that I could, you know, learn them and remember them, and you know, and and, yep. and everything. I knew all the 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 dances and the routines for all the music videos and and everything. But it it endured me to I, I think um you know young people in in New York and, and helped to demystify what all these stereotypes and lies that people were telling mm-hmm. about them, right? So, you know, I, I joke in the book about how, you know, I'm like, um, special ed didn't look like a thug to me. He looked <laughs> dreamy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I had a, a, a real question um, on, on special ed. You know, but that was the thing. Like, we right. saw talent and just magic and um, right. and ability, and we adored the same people that I think many schools, society at large, media were vilifying, right. and um, and saying that that the um, that they weren't uh, that they were divergent from you know the, the the status quo and everything, and it was like oh that but that's what we want to be. I want to be like that. I want to dress like that. I want to you know um, that type of thing. So so that that's kind of where I was coming from. Um, and then because of my love of music, um, as an undergrad. So I was um, I was a PR major and um, and I was very adamant that I wanted to be a, a, a publicist in the music industry. And so I started interning for a lot of record companies and, and, and everything during my. Um, so I found these way. But again, the spirit of, I think, hip hop, like how do you get connected to mm-hmm. an industry that is such a New York and California um, type of um, space? And you in Columbia, South Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I I was grinding it out, like really reading biographies of people and just, you know, looking at how they were just creating their own opportunities and and, and everything. Right. So I got connected with the um, South Carolina record pool. Um, so at that time, record pools were big. Um, yep. They they sourced all of the vinyl for DJs and stuff like that or whatever. And so um, I, I got in in that realm um, and then started um, interning for, you know, like, um, you know, major uh, companies and stuff like that here in South Carolina. Because, of course, you know, radio promotion and stuff like that, you have regional reps um, sure. that you can work with or whatever. And so and then, you know, I. I soon learned that ne- the industry itself wasn't necessarily, oh, I love music and I'm good at PR <laughs> and that this is the perfect job. You know, it was a little more <laughs> to it. A little politics. So I ultimately decided not to to, to go that route. But um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I, I my love for it, you know, started very young and really moved with me into academia when I first started as a um, in higher education. Mm-hmm. I didn't start as a professor. I didn't want necessarily want to be an academic. I started as a um, an advisor, um, like an entertainment buyer. I planned mm-hmm. large the concerts and the comedy shows and things like that or whatever on college campuses. Mm-hmm. Advised the campus program boards, um, and so I was mm-hmm. still doing the kind of stuff that I love with concert promotion right. and stuff like that, but just found did it in an environment um, in higher education uh, that was a, a, a little more. Less uh, gully. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's really interesting about all of this is that you took your hip hop wherever you went and, and into every into every lane, and then obviously it, then then you pivoted to saying, well, maybe I should become a teacher proper, <laughs> right? Instead of just right, playing concerts. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, but you know, I I think even even that pivot to academia. Um, I don't know if I necessarily came into the professorate to teach. You know, yeah. a lot of people don't want to admit that. Fair enough. <laughs> I, like, I like the, you know. give me the inside tea. I like it. I want to know how y'all think about these things. Yeah, right, right. But I mean, because there's you know there's this layers to you know the the responsibility of the role. I mean, sure. and I, the, to expect everybody to love absolutely all three parts of teaching, research, and uh, and the service work is, is right. Fair is, enough. But yeah, the 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 what we deem as service, like practice has always been my thing. You know, I ran right. university cultural centers and, and, and like I said, planned events and stuff like that. Right. So that um, element of it. Um, but I really got into it to research. Um, and, and again, mm. with this idea of it's important to document and talk about and write about the work that we were all doing in cultural centers and, um, you know what I'm saying, and, 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 and kind of valuing the creative and cultural space that, Things like, you know, hip hop engagement and hip hop education was creating on right. on college campuses and, and, and everything. People weren't it was just wasn't a lot of people writing about it. There wasn't a lot of people um, um, championing it and everything. And so, you know, I just had this conversation yesterday about the idea of high impact practices and, you know, these w- w- what people have deemed these really important educational experiences that. They're saying college students, but I mean, anybody that teaches can say that, but um, that college students need to have in their college experience to make it rich and meaningful. Um, Right. But those high impact practices have been identified and they mainly come from the things that people like, like the professionals create, the, the, the programs and initiatives that they've come up with. And they're identifying these as these are important. These are important. These are living learning communities are important. But what about the self created? dynamic spaces of leadership development and professional development and cultural identity development um, in dance, um, you know, uh, organizations and hip hop organizations and that students kind of create themselves because nobody else is creating it. Right, um, right. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's building up this ingenuity, uh, this entrepreneurship, you know, uh, like all of these these professional skills that because nobody's, you know, uh, these others aren't looking over here. These right. others really de- deem what leadership right. is and what whether they, they aren't looking over here, and um, and so some and of it's all the same stuff. It's all the and same. It's all, stuff. The, it's all the stuff they want students to have. They're doing it on their own. You just don't know about it. Right, right. And yeah. you see it, and you qualify it as that's art, as if people don't right. get right. leadership development from. That's a hobby. They're just, <laughs> yeah, they're just, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're hanging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate that translation. Uh, you know, obviously, good friend to uh, to both of us. Uh, you know, uh, someone we both look at, Dr. Bettina Love, uh, right. the first interviewee that I had on this podcast ever, which set the tone forever. You know, the very first thing I learned was that ability to translate. Right, that these again, these characteristics live in hip hop as an ethos. And again, there's a Venn diagram to like we're you know black culture and you know that again resistance and perseverance and all that stuff comes from that necessity throughout the years. But also the hip hop side to it is sort of artistic, creative, but also brings people in. So you know it's it's, a, it's an inclusive culture. So when you have people coming in with their own perspectives from their own cultural or you know denominational background, then there's a nice new mix. Again, remixing and remaking all the time. And that stuff is so valuable. But to her point, to your point, is that that's not something that the traditionalists or folks who are not familiar with the culture understand. Or So you have to translate it. You have to put it into, as you said for the book, lay it out so that it's clear and understandable that this equals this. We, we don't always know how to say, as, as Dr. Love said, you know, social and emotional intelligence, but that's what's happening in the cipher. You know what I mean? Like that. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um so, I was no, just going to say, so part, part of that translation is, is I wanted to get to the um, sort of the tenets of the hip hop mindset framework, because I think that's what you've done is that you've found really succinct ways or clear ways to say, OK, this thing that we do that we know how to do or we know how to this is what it means and how to translate that. So I thought that'd be a good segue for that. If, unless you had it. Sounds great. You wanted, Let's get it. So you have these. So you've set this up and this is the beginning of the book. And, you know, by the way, the book is great. You, you go through this whole. I don't even say theory, your concept or, you know, the way you're collecting all of these thoughts, you've interviewed a bunch of folks from within, for the most part, sort of the hip hop academic space. But again, hip hop academics are very often practitioner, hip hop practitioners in a way, not, not only like being an artist or a dancer, you know, H up church and them folks, but also just in the way they carry themselves through life. They are 
hip hop. And I, that's, you know, that's the whole thing here. So I don't know, run down the, the mindset, the, you know, the framework, these nine uh, kind of tenets that you have, or just pick a couple and just, again, for the lay person who's tuning in saying, I don't know, you know, <laughs> hip hop mindset can make me a better executive. How do you figure, you know what I mean? What are some of the key tenets or, or, or why did you frame it out that way? Uh, you know, hunger, competitiveness, honor and kinship, creativity, authenticity, ingenuity, confidence, claiming space and commanding attention. Any or all of those uh, are, are very worth uh, exploring a little bit here. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I, you know, I guess the I'll start with one that the aspect that is, would probably be shared, like you're, you're talking about like a business executive and they're like, how can they? Well, you sure. know, so the um, one uh, pillar of, you know, the first one of drive, right? Mm. So anyone will agree that anyone who is committed to success or who wants to be successful has to be driven, right? And so, so drive is a general shared concept of, uh, among success mindsets and, and, and everything, whatever. But it's kind of the way that hip hop culture and, and communities um, kind of frame and, and approach it, right? So this idea of being hungry and or, or wanting to, uh, like, a, is, say, in a culture, be put on or, or whatever, right? That there has to be th- this initial kind of spark or spirit or, you know, just hard-headed desire. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I, I talk about in the book how, like, if you um, align it with hunting, um, mm. that only animals who are hungry hunt, right? They, they're, they're the ones, like, they're out. On, on the prowl, looking for opportunity, looking for you know what, whatever. Right. When they're when they're not hungry, they 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 laid back, satiated, they're comfortable, kind of, right. <laughs> right? They're comfortable, right. they're comfortable, right? So so hunger is the thing that makes you get up, mm. um, and it is um, it is absolutely um, something that's that's shared across uh, many people who identify with hip hop, uh, who who see themselves as successful, as brilliant, as well, you know what I'm saying, or whatever. But right. they. Um, they 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 share um, this hunger, and then the thing is that it's continued hunger. Like it, it's not like I get one thing and then I right. stop, right? No, right. it's like you know you, the 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 record deal might be the first goal, you know, back in the day. The you know sure. the might be the first goal, um, but you never stop being hungry for um, you know to to achieve something, right? So you you get that check great we celebrate you know what i'm saying right but then the next thing is, the, yeah 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 i'm trying to get I'm, I'm trying to be number one i'm trying I'm, right. I'm 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 trying to hit a number one record you know what i'm saying right. i'm trying to go platinum i'm trying to you know what i'm saying i'm trying to get a grammy i'm trying to you're always um uh, pushing yourself to continue to um to work and strive and, and to chase greatness right and so that hunger pu- pulls you pushes you in that that direction the other piece is this idea of uh, competitiveness, right? Because I think it, particularly in educational spaces, a lot of people um, are negative about competition because of how poorly they handle or have, you know, it has been handled <laughs> in many educational spaces before, right? So, you know, pitting students against each other and labeling mm. um, students as, as superior and, and you know, um, nobodies or, you know, whatever, however right. you want to <laughs> call them right. or whatever. The, the dust but, cap or something. Right, right, right. So, uh, <laughs> you, you know, all, all this, these ways <laughs> that we've made competition They've made. I'm sorry. I don't need to own that. That they've made right. competition a, um, a a really um, negative kind of space to live in. Uh, but when you go into cultures like hip hop, you see that that competition can really be a healthy space. It can right. be the space that, in a really beautiful and healthy ways, pushes you to get better. Right. And the and one of the best examples of that is um is the cipher, the 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 idea that. We are too fragile to be nervous, to mess up, to um, lose, you know what I'm saying? To just experience what it is to not win at everything or whatever. Um, You know, no, in life, the things that you really want, um, they are going to require work. They are going to require you to probably have the guts to just get out there and, and try to get out into the arena and compete. And you might lose, but you learn from that. Right. Um, uh, the the right. Um, colleague Timothy Jones talked about that in, in his interview that, um, you know, that you learn from losing. I mean, it teaches you so much about yourself. Jay-Z said it. I, I quoted Jay-Z in the book that, you know, 
being competitive teaches you all the things you're good at and it teaches you all the things that you're not so good at that you need to work on. But that's clarity that you know what I'm saying that that you need. And so when we inspire people and we create this healthy competition or uh, competitive spaces where everyone feels able, everyone feels brilliant, everyone is told that they can compete, everyone's told that they have the ability to be the number one or whatever. Now everybody, let's go and 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 work on it and get it and and push each other and right. That's what happens in a, in a cipher. Everybody right. standing in that circle believes that they can come out and kill that cipher, but it doesn't stop them from clapping up the person in the middle when they're in the middle, right? right. Um, right. Collaborate. Let's collaborate. Let's collaborate, yo. That was right. great. Let's, let's work, right? Let's of work. Course. Let's work. Right. Like you, what you did was dope, and I'm going to I'm going to admit that. I'm not going to sit here and act like a downplay, and you know what I'm saying. I'm like, oh, oh. Ah. You know, I'm going to I'm <laughs> right. going to react and you're going to feel great for my reaction. But you better believe that when it's my turn, I'm trying to crush you. You know what I'm absolutely. saying? I'm trying to, to absolutely, absolutely crush what you just did. That's a healthy kind of competition that we can have, whether it's in a work environment, a team environment, a classroom environment. That's mm. the type of competition that makes people feel alive. And mm. in many young people will respond to that type of enlivened uh, learning experience, that type of enlivened classroom, as opposed to this kind of dead meek space where now no one, everybody's just scared of, um, uh, uh, yeah, of of competing. An authority figure or, you know, or or, that that shyness. So you don't, no no one helps you break out of that. Because even in ciphers, you'll see like people who are, you know, maybe just ad- ad- admiring a cipher. I think you talked about this where you knew all the dance moves, but right. you weren't getting right. out there and dancing. Like right. at some right. point, you know, someone, or maybe you did on your own, you kind of inched into it and tried it one time and someone, hey, no, come on, you're good. You can come, let's, let's, you know. and then you get that, uh, you know, that moral support you get. And then now all of a sudden you've, and then you're you know, addicted. Them, them shackles have come get off. out there. Right. 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 And so the that, power that's- of the cipher. Yeah, the power of yeah. the cipher. And so, um, but that's what I'm saying. Like um, the, this idea that w- what we don't need to do is just because people did it wrong is completely trash a concept. Competition, mm-hmm. what we need to do is reframe our relationship and our understanding of and how we define competition and how we approach it. But we absolutely need to create these energetic, inspiring and competitive environments that bring out the best in anyone professionals or students or, or, or whoever. The other thing was um, this idea of honor and kinship. And um, yeah, I love it, this one. It, Talk about yeah, it. Yeah, right. So, and, and I put it in with, because so many people talked about it in their stories about being hungry and, and first op- op- seeking opportunity and, and, and everything. Right. So it's a function of driving competition, but you would think that normally how we, how we usually understand um, being uh, driven and, and everything is being like cutthroat, individualistic, uh, right? Throwing sure. everybody on the bus, trying to, you know. That's right. That's right. right. It but can only not, be one. <laughs> right. It can only be right. one. And we know that right. is absolutely not true, right? They, they, that's absolutely not true. How many, and I know you, you've been having these conversations about the, the relevance of the Grammys, but for real, how many mm-hmm. people walk away with a Grammy? You know what I'm saying? Like there's there's yeah. room of space for winners. Sure, right, oh. right, and a spectrum <laughs> of a spectrum of you know, you know styles and, and yeah, of course, everyone can right, eat. Right, right. And yeah. so it doesn't have to just be one. But one of the things um, with, within hip hop is this um, idea that being a part of a community, um, that being part of a crew, a squad, or whatever makes you better. That's how you are able to to um, to build yourself up and refine yourself to be able to compete, right? Because mm-hmm. those are the people that. You, like you said, you collaborate with. Those are the people that give you honest and real feedback. Eh, yeah, no. You, know, try, you need to come, come again with that one. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. Like, they, so they, they it's work. that battle. It's, again, it's that not battle, but it's a battle. It's a, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, iron sharpens iron, right? It's right. just that, that, yeah. Right. That, that concept, yeah. Right. And, and we need that. All of us need the, you know, the, not groupies, not people that are just going to tell us what we want to hear. Right. Um, it's too often in professional settings. That's what staff members become to senior mm. leaders. Right. Mm. Group. Right. Um, that's right. As opposed to um, truth tellers. Right. And that's why organizations can't get better. And we need people that love us enough to tell us the truth 
and to really be uh, invested in seeing us shine. Um, so much so that, like you said, they, they're sharpening us up. Um, right. The other part of com- of um, community and honor is um, once you get an opportunity that you're giving it, you're you're creating space for other people. You're bringing people along, right? So throughout, I mean, when you go back to the history of it, you see, I, I talk about it in the book how, like, for a long time, I was like, how are these people from, like, these housing projects getting all these record deals? <laughs> when, you know what I'm saying? Because you're so isolated from society. Like, you are literally mm, pushed right. on the margins of society with no connection to anything, and then they're able to get themselves situated to become like these these superstars and and everything, right? Um, and I'm like, shoot, I'm struggling. I'm, I got I'm I'm here in a college and and everything. I can't get a um can't get an in at a record company. Like I can't even get you know. I'm I'm trying to 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 make that connection. How are they? Because somebody from that project community got a deal, and then yeah. they open that space for other sure. people to come. Yeah. Um, and so there's this this expectation that. Emory Predator, I was talking about how, you know, when he was um, the early years of DJing, you know, the whole um, carrying crates and stuff like that, right. that you can right. recognize that, oh, when when somebody invites me to carry, a DJ invites me to carry their crates to their gig, they're giving me an opportunity. You know what I'm saying? They're right. bringing me along. They're going to con- help me meet people. and Mentorship you know, and, and apprentice. It's the new apprenticeship at that time. It was apprenticeship. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you you make this space, um, yeah. right? Um, I call it passing the mic. And a lot of people need to, to, to check themselves on that. Like who you got, you have the microphone and it's important that when you get, you have it, that you use it in a powerful way. But then who else are you passing the mic to? You know what I'm saying? Like, how are you helping other people to 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 come along? A lot of ways, when I look back at my professional career, you know, I assess my success by how all of the, the, the how are the people that, you know, I led, how are they doing? You know right. what I'm saying? What's their life looking like right now? You know right. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That That's why, that's why with, with a, um, a Tony Keith, and a Crystal Lee Isley, and you know, I see all the stuff that they're doing and, and everything and how they're I'm like, yes, that that means that that I was doing good work. Not yeah. little, you know, um annual reports and, and things like how are <laughs> right. the, the people that are with you, how are their lives made better as a result of working um, you know, with you in, in some ways? Who are you passing the mic to so that they can yeah. go on and do even better things than than, than you've been able to do? Uh, and so that's that that all is still a part of this whole idea of being driven or drive in hip hop culture. And it's a very different way of thinking and, and, and framing or whatever of of, uh, of drive that I think um, that we've seen in, in, in other spaces or whatever. Um, and so that's why I'm saying I think there's so much that people can learn leadership approaches yeah. and, and philosophies and IDE ways to think that they yeah. can learn from hip hop. Yeah, I mean, I think that they can, you know, learn it for themselves, but also learn that we need to, they need to bring in hip hop minded folk because again, they're going to, they're going to see these problems in a different way. They're going to know problem solving in a different way. And I think that part of that comes from, you mentioned the hunger is because you're not ever comfortable, right? right? Because you're not as a, as a young person, again, primarily even in communities of color, but even if you know, I'm a white guy from Long Island, I'm trying to do hip hop. I, that was not comfortable. It wasn't cool at the time. It was not, right. you know what I mean? It, you know, you had to, you had to work now, I had to work cross-culturally. Now I had to work, you know, respectfully, authenticity, make sure I'm, I'm being respectful. I get checked when I'm not. And, and that's kind of a, you know, not, we haven't even talked about, you know, the, the ability of now to work across different, you know, cultural or ethnic, you know, lines with respect and with understanding, which hip hop does like, I don't know, Absolutely. no other culture that I know of, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And so you, you get that because you're never, when you're trying to do hip hop, first of all, like you said, if you want to do it from the artistic sense, the whole world is looking at you like, that's not music. That's not real. That's not, you know, and, and we talked about academics. Uh, the reason why I didn't, uh, you know, go through college, of course, is because my dad was a distinguished professor of sociology. And of course, the shoemaker son don't have no shoes because I didn't want to go that route. You know, I got a lot from osmosis. I, you know, he, he was mm-hmm. a brilliant guy. Um, but we used to have the arguments. He was an old jazz and blues guy. He was, you know, interviewing BB King, you know, and doing all these things when he was in college and, and he's like, that's not music that, and we would have these arguments. So even with my dad, who I, you know, look up to as my, you know, the most brilliant man. And, you know, he's like, that's not get a job and just go to school and do the things, you know? <laughs> so none of us are comfortable when we're trying to pursue these things. And, and so you, but you do it and you find a way 
to get it done, even though you're not comfortable. And, and business leaders who might have come up through the ranks, academics who might have come up through the ranks and always felt, oh, this is, you know, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm comfortable. I got, I got the hookup. I got the plug. They're not always used to feeling uncomfortable. Right, right, right. And I think but that they, gives I mean, us I mean, a little I mean, edge, right? Right. But, but see, I feel like now um, a lot of people are feeling uncomfortable because they, the, you know, well, they, oh, they don't know how to cope when they are uncomfortable. Right. They don't. Right. They don't. Right. But it's like um, some of the post pandemic fallout that businesses and, and professional are, fields, yeah. yeah, a lot of industries are, are feeling uh, now makes these type like understanding this type of leadership perspective really really important because the reality is young professionals aren't having it you know what i'm saying they just aren't having it they are For not sure. yeah that's that's why i mean you you, you know <laughs> this is gonna sound like really stereotypical but i mean i'm in the south fried chicken is really big down here right. and i mean you go to some of these restaurants and they're closing at four o'clock <laughs> and it's All like right. Yeah, right. When have you ever seen Bojangles closed at four o'clock? <laughs> they don't have staff. They don't have right. people. People are, are just not here for working these heartless, um, mm. you know, unfulfilling uh, jobs in, in spaces where people just expect you to be uh, to feel like you're you should just be grateful to have a job and don't right. appreciate you and value you and, and, and everything, whatever. And so they're like, mm, forget right. it. I'd rather just do nothing. So th- that's what I'm saying, like understanding uh, what it is to create an inspiring professional space for people that that does feed them in in um in, in really really important ways. You know, one of the things that I, I always keep saying about hip hop culture and how welcoming you know it is, and how different it sometimes can be from these professionally exclusive places uh, or spaces. It's like you know, the closer you get to hip hop, as much as people try to make hip hop out to be you know, rude and uh, intimidating and aggressive and everything. But hip hop is one of those spaces that the closer you get to the culture, the fresher you feel. Right. So mm. it it's a cool culture. Right. It's a it's a, a culture where, where, you know, the music sounds great, but you people, um, the artists are fresh or whatever. But the closer you get to it, the louder yeah. the music plays in your car, it starts to make <laughs> you feel a certain type of way. Right. The closer you are to the stage at a concert, the fresher you feel. Right. And that's exactly how educational spaces should make people feel. The longer I sit in a school, the more brilliant I should feel. Right. Mm. Why, why do we have doctoral students who, uh, why do we have first year professors talking about imposter syndrome? They've been mm. through 20 years of school. They should feel brilliant. But right. the very place that is supposed to inspire them and make them feel and know their genius um, makes them feel inadequate. That is the opposite of what a hip hop cultural environment um, does. Right. Ah. It's brilliant. Oh, this is why this, is the, oh, this book is so perfect. You're perfect. Um, segwaying into something, I, we got a few more minutes. I don't want to keep it too long. But segwaying into something that you mentioned that's important, that's on my, my kind of you know, note here is that negative perception of hip hop, that, that negative perception of music. And if they even give it the credit of being a culture, you know, that when you go into these other spaces or you try to go into the other spaces and carry some of these lessons, because just, you know, you're trying to help. You're trying to help the academic institutions. You're trying to help the business, you know, environments. You're trying to help people cope in a way that, again, we as hip hop folk kind of have, you know, in our in our tool bag. But you get you're going to get that resistance. You're going to get that pushback, you know, just just in general. Again, any lay person who might be listening and saying, well, I, I don't know about this. Hip hop is so negative. How could a woman, how could a black woman feel that hip hop is a way to, you know, uh, boost your anything, you know, in life? And, you know, I hate that we have to keep doing that and explaining it but some of us do it really well and so i wanted to say you know how do you push back against the pushback uh what is it that people need to know as you know i call this show hip-hop can save america and that's a lofty you know concept and we might need a lot more than just hip-hop but it's because of some of these ideas that you've talked about that 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 we can translate into ways that help people so how do you push back against the pushback when we're trying to say no we can really help people with hip-hop don't don't write it off how do you how do you do that right so uh, you know my work, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go back to where I really Take feel. Take it wherever you need really to go. Yeah. <laughs> the foundation of, of my philosophy on, on this comes from, but I think it comes from working in Black cultural centers, um, in, in leading Black cultural centers in, on college campuses. And, it, you know, that that work was kind of unapologetically selfish. Like, 
we are here to do this. We are here to uplift and educate about, you know, this particular type of culture and to champion that experience and 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 everything. And we're 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 not going to entertain inviting in doubt and um you you know uh negative energy and all negative the, yeah. energy internalized yep. racism uh, any of that right. stuff that has um has held us down for so long throughout history and so the reason you know, why you had to even have those spaces in the first place right okay. and um in that in particular like um when people would have a negative view of student activism and um mm. and, and student activists right um and so you know there was point for a lot of senior administrators executive leaders the, nothing um boils them up more than a, a student activist <laughs> and and you know they just they just did not the reality people were just, just began to not like they didn't like those some of the students you know what i'm saying like it wasn't just like oh there's there's so such problem at no they they didn't they didn't like them. <laughs> right and um but the reality was those students and what they were able to accomplish through their activism benefited the university more than any of those students that had held all their little offices and, um, and, and you know, painted their face at all the games and attended all, you know what I'm saying? All of the, the team spirit, school spirit, all, right. you know, all of the things. But they left college having had a good time and gotten a, a degree. These activists left college having created university cultural centers that lasted on campuses 30 years after they were gone. You know what I'm saying? Right. Legacy. Um, legacy, creating yeah. scholarships and, 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 and everything, right? And so that's how I feel about um, hip-hop culture. I, I say very plainly, look, oppression is meant to create a mess among mm. communities. Right. right. You cannot expect for black and Latinx people to go through all that we have gone through to have endured sheer terrorism and oppression and marginalization and all the things that we know that, that and it not be a little messy that we don't have some people who are uneducated. Mm-hmm. That's what the intentionally the designed right. system right. not educating right. people. It's not, not an was accident. It was <laughs> right. meant to create. So don't be shocked when you see it. Don't be shocked when you hear it in a lyric. But that doesn't mean that all of the community, that all of the race, that even all of the music or all of the culture is that. That it is much more. And even in some of that, there's still value. There's still value. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because yeah. e- even even in, with an artist who is saying some absolutely ignorant shit, <laughs> you yep. know what I'm saying? Just some yep. ignorant stuff. Yep. The fact that that artist who probably was not valued in school, might have been kicked out of school, might not have finished school or whatever, but they got picked up a a, a pen to write after people are telling them that they're not intelligent, that they're not, uh, you know, worthy, that they're not, and they can still pick up a microphone to talk about how brilliant they are. You mm. know what I'm saying? Like there's right. something, there's, there, there's something to that. Um, and so my belief in, in all of it is an unwillingness to believe anything horrible about my, my own community. You know, and, and again, just coming from particularly the Southern culture that, that I, I've come from where brilliance is seen in, a, in a, a lot of different ways and people mess up and people, you know, whatever. Like I said, people aren't, aren't perfect, but that's also a thing. Like, yeah. how do you, uh, you know, through in the work that we were doing in, in cultural centers, a lot of it was self-work in, in our communities. Like, mm-hmm. Right. You know, the, the whole miseducation that Carter G. Wilson was talking about and, and Lauren Hill talked about, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the like a lot of it was teaching our own people their history and the information about themselves that they needed to know to change their own minds about themselves and to change their own minds about their people and, and everything. Well, if we push those people away and we um we judge them and we're you know um saying that they're not worthy or w- whatever we lose an opportunity to transform lives and 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 everything everybody is worthy everyone has worth 
And um, and I might not agree with everything everyone says or the way that everyone thinks. I might not have had the experiences that everyone has had, but we can still, I can still pull them in and include them in the cultural love that I think everyone needs. And would their minds be a little bit different if more people had pulled them in and giving them some, giving them some cultural love? Mm, yes. Well, yes, yeah. <laughs> probably. Right. <laughs> Fantastic. One, one way to do that is to go through life, depending on whether you're a, uh, an educator or other professional to go through life with a hip hop mindset. Absolutely. So I think that's what wraps it all into this. Uh, again, it's just a pleasure to, to finally break it down. You have these perspectives shared with me and we've talked, you know, offline very briefly, but I really wanted to get into this. I, I, I like I say, it's to me, it's, it's the, the bee's knees. And, uh, and I think that it's a, a wonderful concept and it's something that we need to share with as many people as possible because we can uplift folks all over in all these disciplines. It's what I always talk about. I say hip hop, you know, the, the, the tenets of this show are, you know, hip hop can uplift humanity and improve society in areas like education, health and wellness, science and technology, yes. politics and social justice, you know, and people are like, how? Well, I'd be trying to tell them and mm -hmm. give, you know, space to people who are doing it. But it all kind of boils down to this. It really does. It's this is what can do it. And we can take that into different places. And, 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 and I always say uh, hip hop, when applied this way authentically and with intent uh, across any discipline or across any demographic, sure. But also more importantly, most importantly, uh, in the to uplift the lives and livelihoods and communities of those who, you know, birthed and nurtured hip hop to begin with. Okay, absolutely. You know, that's the, absolutely. That's and I know we didn't get into all of it because that's the thing. I mean, no, it's, a whole, it's no. a whole book. It's a whole book. Uh, but the, you know, the, 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 those two other big elements, the, the creativity and posture, you know, the, the whole like, claiming space and stuff like that, those were about like, how do you, um, engage work, um, in the, the, the self, uh, development that, that people need and as far as self confidence and, and, and things of that nature or whatever, right? So, um, we, like, like I said, you know, pull, pulling them all together. I think it, it's it's just an approach and a mindset that really, really speaks to particularly uh, to young professionals today. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100 uh, percent. We'll push out all this information. Is there anything else? I know you just, you know, kind of gl glanced over that, but that's what they got to get the book. We can't give you every all the gems here. You got to go pick it up. That's, that's what that's how it works. Right. So capitalism right. works, folks. <laughs> um but that being said, is there anything else that I didn't cover that you would love to get across, uh, you know, the book, anything else coming up for you, anything else that, you know, you'd want to share with folks or you know, that I might have not covered? Um, no, you know, I, I, I'm excited. Um, so uh, one of the things that I'm recently developed out of the book, I'm still trying to find space and time to dissect the book a little bit more, you know, for, for folks or whatever. So I'm about to... to um, to launch a series of videos of um, master classes, um, but like mm. little shorts master classes on um, some of the concepts of the of the hip hop mindset. So I'd say maybe look out for that on um, on Instagram. And then I've been doing some, you know, along with the keynotes that I've been giving on the book, had opportunity had an opportunity in several spaces to after the keynote engage like a half day. Uh, workspace and session, uh, really diving into the, the concepts in, in kind of a, a retreat kind of environment or whatever. So I've created a workbook for self leadership and and um and and, and everything that's that's um, based on the on the book or whatever. So uh, mm. I'm excited about that. Yeah, I mean, like you say, it's just so much uh, to unpack. Um, right. And um, and and I'm I'm excited about the opportunity to to, to get people to wrestle uh, with this. I had a colleague recently. Uh, finished the book and she was um she works in like hotel restaurant tourism you know intro whatever sure. and so she was talking about how um she was like yeah i've read i've read a lot of leadership and and, and business books or whatever and when i first picked it up i was kind of like well you know i don't really listen to a whole lot of hip-hop i don't think i'm but she was like after i put the book down i was like i think i have a hip-hop mindset <laughs> right because right. Right. again it really has nothing to do with your ability yeah like whether you're a hip-hop head or uh, MC or or anything that that's the beauty of the culture that there's space for everyone to live in it that uh, um, who embrace it and um, and respect it. Yeah, amen. And I think that uh, what someone can also do what, what I really like was your explainer video that you had kind of oh, yeah, uh, yeah. promoting the book, which goes into a little bit more you know breakdown as well. 
So if people are interested, uh, is, what's your website? Where do they go to find that and the book in sure. general? Sure. TobyJenkins.net. So T-O-B-Y-J-E-N-K-I-N-S dot uh, net. And um, that uh, more on the book, a uh, couple videos that explain the, the whole concept of the book, um, as well as the links to, um, to, to pick up a copy from Amazon uh, on my website. Perfect. Well, thank you again uh, for your time. I'm glad we finally got to do this and do it right. And uh, like I said, it's, uh, you know, I've, I've gone through this. Uh, I love, and we didn't get into it a whole lot, but I think that's a very valuable point you brought up the idea of not just how to lead others, like cause we were talking about leadership, you know, but also how to deal with yourself, you know, a little bit. And as we yeah. talked about, people have been like just told that they need to stop. Don't, you know, don't be boisterous. Don't be whatever. Don't be, <laughs> right, and, you know, course. and I talk about how, you know, braggadocio and, and bragging on yourself, that's self-love. And we that's need right. more. Right. Of that, right? right. And again, even like I said, post pandemic, you know, it's, there are, there is a, um, there's more talk. There's more, it's in the zeitgeist of self-care and, and how do we do that? How do we give ourselves a little bit of that, that boost. Well, here's another, you know, another way that we know how to do as hip hop folk. We know how to do it inherently. We just, sometimes we need a little help, uh, you know, seeing it ourselves. So. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for um, this incredibly beautiful space that you've created and gifted to the world. Um, and thank you for letting me uh, occupy a little bit of it. Today. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. You are uh, uh, always welcome back. So thank you so much. Once again, thanks for listening to another episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's most important hip hop podcast. My name is Manny Faces. You can find out more about the show at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. You can watch the show now as a live stream on YouTube, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Check back for all the replays as well. The interviews from the live stream will be brought here onto the audio feed, so you always get the best of the live stream. You can also check out our Substack newsletter. It's free at mannyfaces.substack.com filled with stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and in general, hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. <laughs> Eternal shouts to our consulting producer, Summer McCoy. Be sure to check out her dope initiatives, Hip Hop Hacks, and the Mixtape Museum. We'll be back soon with another dope episode, but check us out on the live stream as well. Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Until next time, it's Many Faces wishing peace and love to you and yours. 